0: I'd like for you tonight now to get your mind on Jesus Forget about Betty Baxter, I cannot really help you It's Jesus that's here tonight He's the one that is here to meet your needs Just relax in his presence, forget what you did today Get all the duties you've got to do tomorrow And let's sit in his presence and see what he will do for us tonight If you have your Bibles, i would like to turn with me I'm reading from the 13th chapter of Luke's Gospel and the 11th verse And this is my very favorite scripture while I was sick and crippled because this is a picture of what I was exactly before the Lord came and set me free. The 13th chapter of Luke and the 11th verse. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And she was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And glorified God Heavenly Father we bow in your presence tonight and we're so thankful that we have this privilege and opportunity together to worship you I ask your Lord now that one more time you bless this story as you blessed it many times before I pray Lord that men and women may see Jesus in this service as they've never quite seen him before walk the aisles of this sanctuary blessing and speaking to every heart and meeting every need you know the need of everyone in divine presence those that are here that are sick in body Reach out and touch them, Lord, and make them whole. I pray especially if there should be one here that doesn't know you as personal Savior. I pray they'll not leave this service without accepting you as their own Savior and Lord. Bless us now tonight and make us a blessing. And we'll be careful to praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. I can never remember the time in my life of ever being healthy, well, and strong, and normal like other children. But my childhood memories are of doctors, hospitals, and much pain in my body. From the time that I was little, doctors had said that I would never live to grow up. And so you that were here this morning, I told how at the age of nine, I had the greatest experience in my life, and that was when I met Jesus, and he came into my heart, and he lives there tonight. He's never left. He lives inside my heart because I talked to him this afternoon. I know he's still living there. The time went by, and the pain grew worse. My heart grew worse until doctors said it was enlarged almost twice its normal size. I couldn't eat because the organs in my stomach were dropped and out of place. And at the age of 11, our own family doctor... Dr. Bailey in Fairmont said, there's nothing I can do for her. I can't even ease the pain she's suffering. I have to take those strong painkillers away because of the condition of her heart. He said, if there's one more place I want to send her. They actually won't be able to help her, but maybe at least they can do something that will ease the pain she's suffering. So one blizzardy, stormy night, mommy in the ambulance with me, they took me to a great hospital in the state of Minnesota where they say they have the finest specialists that can be found anywhere. I was kept there almost four weeks. And during that time, I had a specialist for every part of my body they were busy taking tests, and they were doing scans, and they were testing every day of the four weeks that I was there. When the time came after the four weeks nearly were up, the head doctor that I had came to my bedside, and he said, I've got a surprise for you. I've called your hometown. Your daddy's on his way, the ambulance has come, I'm going to send you home. I was excited and thrilled because I thought if they've kept me this long, and they're sending me home, then surely they're sending me home to live. And I was excited, the ambulance came, they put me on the stretcher, wheeled me to the elevator to take me to first floor and daddy was beside the stretcher when the doctor came up and said, Mr. Baxter, I want to talk to you before you leave. And daddy said, all right. He said, he pointed at me as I lay on the stretcher and said, tell me, how much does the child know about her sickness? And daddy said, she knows as much as we do. We've never kept anything a secret from her. Everything doctors have told us, we have told her. The doctor said, then it's all right to talk in front of her. And daddy said, sure. And I thought, now he's going to tell daddy about some kind of miracle medicine they found that's going to make me well. I could not believe I was hearing right when I heard the doctor say, we have here the finest specialist that can be found anywhere. We've done everything possible for but there's nothing more medical science can do for he told my daddy don't try and find another doctor don't spend any more money on specialists medical science has done all they're able to do she has but a short time left to live take her home and keep her as happy as possible I started to cry and I didn't want daddy to see me crying so I shut my eyes not knowing that the tears hold down my face anyway they put me in the ambulance gave me oxygen and took me home they carried me into the room where I'd spent most of my life went out and shut the door. I sobbed and cried as though my heart would break. I was 11 years of age and I was terminal, sent home to die. When I travel across the United States and overseas, I have healing lines everywhere I go. And when I walk along the line and then a man or a lady looks up at me and says, Betty, I'm terminal, immediately I know the feeling they have, hopelessness, frustration, when you know that doctors have said there's no hope. And especially if you don't have faith in God or you don't know about healing. Mama had always told us that anytime we wanted to know anything about God, we ask a pastor, She said, pastors live next to God and they knew all about God. And if we had questions, we asked. So one day after every doctor said I was dying, I asked to see our pastor. He came to my bedside and I said, Pastor, do you remember that day I got saved? And he said, I'll never forget it. Such a wonderful, wonderful conversion you had. I said, well, that day you told us the story of Jesus. He said, yes, I did. I said, in that story, you said he healed all kinds of sickness, even cripples like me. He said, that's right, he did. I said, Then, do you know that every doctor daddy takes me to says I'm going to die? He said, I know that. I said, then, Pastor, reckon if I coaxed him real hard and asked Jesus, reckon he would heal me? Perhaps it's the hardest question that pastor ever had to answer. With tears in his eyes, he took my hand in his and said, Betty, I can't give you false hope. The days of miracles are past and gone. Jesus doesn't heal anymore. And so I didn't know about divine healing. So when I was sent home to die, I was indeed without any hope. After I've been crying and lying there on my bed feeling oppressed and depressed, I said, Lord, you heard what the doctor told daddy. He said, not to try and find another doctor, I'm going to die. I said, so if I'm going to die anyway, please, Jesus, come and take me. I don't want to suffer one more night of this pain. And I was lying there crying and feeling so depressed, mama came in the room. She came over the bed and looked down and saw the tears. She said, my, my, why all the tears? Aren't you happy to be back home with mama again? I said, I'm happy to be back home, but you don't know what the doctor told my daddy. She said, of course I know what he said. He said, what doctors have said since you were born. He said you were going to die but you're not going to die because I found the answer and I thought mama had found another doctor and I said mama what is his name and she smiled and said his name is Jesus and I said but mama I said pastor said he doesn't heal anymore and mama said yes but there's one thing that goes beyond the word of a pastor and that's the word of God and she said while you were in the hospital I grew desperate and I began to read the New Testament over and over again and as I read it I found divine healing she said I found a verse of scripture that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever that means just as he healed when he's alive and walked the shores of Galilee he's still healing today he's going to go on healing until he comes in the clouds of glory. She said, I found another verse of scripture that says all things are possible if you can only believe. And she said, I believe you'll not die, but that Jesus will heal you and make you whole. Well, you know something? Faith is contagious. It's catching. You stay around people with faith and pretty soon your faith catches on. When we leave tonight, we'll leave with more faith than when we came because I'm catching your faith. You're catching mine. And so my faith caught on with mamas. I forgot all about wanting to die. I was somewhere on cloud nine, believing with mama, that Jesus would actually come and heal my body. But after I determined that I would believe God for my healing, things got worse instead of better. This is when the real testing comes, is when you've determined that you're going to trust God and things get worse and not any better. That's what separates the men from the boys, when you have to stand there and things are getting worse. I got much worse and not any better. I was so bad, the least excitement in my room, I'd have a heart attack. When my grandmother came to see me, I hadn't seen her for some time. She only stayed a few moments, the excitement so much, I had a severe heart attack. After the doctor worked over me, he told my parents, if I want to keep the child alive, she can't have company. And so he isolated me from the world till I was alone and could see no one but mom and dad and the doctor. This is the loneliest time of my life because my personality, I'm not a loner. I do not like long times of being alone. I like to be with my family and my friends. And this is such a lonely time by this time, my chest had sunk in, my spine had curved. Until when I was healed, they stood me up, I stood as high as my four-year-old, four-year-old brother. But there were large knots up and down my spine. My head was twisted and paralyzed on my body like this, I could not move it. My arms were paralyzed from my shoulders to my wrists, I could only move my fingers. And so in this condition, mama would bathe me in the mornings. And then she'd put me on one side of the bed and I knew I'd have to lie in that condition till she'd come to turn me on the other side. She'd say, I have to go out and take care of the family, and she'd leave me alone. There was nothing I could do to pass away the time. I had no toys. Because I had no use for toys, I could not play with them. I could not read to pass away the time my arms were paralyzed at my side. I could only move my fingers. I couldn't hold a book to read. And so in that loneliness as a child, I would begin to talk to the Lord. And I can't count a number of the times as I'd pray, I'd hear a soft sound at the side of my bed. I'd wonder if mama came back in the room and I didn't hear open or close the door. And then I'd hear a soft voice call me by my first name. Three times the voice would call softly Betty. His voice so audible I knew it was not the voice of the doctor. I knew it was not the voice of my daddy. I knew immediately it was the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ calling me by my name. You say, Betty, you mean you've actually audibly heard the voice of Jesus. I've heard his voice as clear and plain and audible as you're hearing mine tonight. You asked me what he said and through the years many things have been forgotten. But one thing he always told me because he knew in my heart it was the one thing I longed to hear most. I was laughed at and made fun of by other children. My own brothers and sisters didn't have much to do with me or didn't come in my room. I felt that no one cared about me but my mother. And then there were times I wondered, does mama love me or does she take care of me because I belong to her? So I always had this insecure feeling of not knowing if I was really loved. And every person, I don't care who you are tonight, has to know that somebody loves you. And if you're here tonight and feel no one loves you and no one cares about you, I have good news for you. There is one who loves you with an everlasting love, and his love is always loyal and true. And so in the stillness, Jesus would call my name Betty. And then he would say he loved me. When he spoke that he loved me, my heart would beat faster. A thrill would pass through me. And I think I can go on being ugly and deformed if Jesus loves me. I can go on being crippled and isolated alone if I have Jesus because I felt then still like I feel tonight. If you've got Christ, you've got it all. If you have Jesus in this life, you have everything. And then he would say, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always, even unto the end. And so the time passed by and Mama said one evening, as the sun was going down and she would finished cleaning the kitchen, she came in. And she came, when she came into the room, she found me unconscious. She said, I was breathing hard and loud and fast. She sat by my bed and watched as I labored to breathe. She said, all at once there was complete silence in the room. She could hear no breathing. She got up and tried to find a pulse, but could find no pulse. She said, a gurgling sound was in my throat fluid coming from my mouth. She picked up my hands. My fingernails were black and my lips were blue. Frightened, she went to the telephone and called Dr. Bailey and said, You must come at once. Something's wrong with Betty. She's not breathing right. He came to my bedside after he examined me. He said, She's lived now past the time we said she could. But this is it. She will never regain consciousness again. In this unconscious state, she's going to die. If there's anyone you want to see while she's still alive and breathing, you must call them at once. Someone sit with her day and night at the slightest change, call me and I'll be here. And so for four days and nights, I lingered between life and death. My grandparents came, aunts and uncles came, neighbors came, and church people. They gathered in my room. It made no difference how many were there. I knew nothing about it. And during those four days and nights, my mother still would not give up hope or give up her faith. She didn't eat, but she fasted and prayed that I would not die, but that God would heal her. And when everybody in the room, my daddy included, were waiting for me to die, mama still believed that with faith in God, that he would still heal me and make me everywhere whole. The reason I'm alive in your city tonight is because I had a mama who would not take no for an answer. She would not be denied. She stayed before the throne of God until God heard and answered her prayer. The fifth morning, I did what the doctor said I'd never do. But doctors aren't always right. Oftentimes, they're wrong if you have Jesus in on your case. The fifth morning, I became conscious. Mama could see by my eyes I was conscious. She shook me very hard and said, it's mother. You know me, don't you? Betty, don't you know me? And I tried so hard to speak words to her. And I was so weak, no words would come. So I smiled so Mama would know that I was conscious and that I knew her. When I smiled and mother knew I was conscious, she raised both hands and began to praise God because she felt God had answered her prayer and given me back to her again. As I saw mama standing there with arms upraised toward heaven, praising God above everybody in the whole world, I love my mother best of all. She's all that I had. For the first 15 years of my life, my mother was my entire life. She's all that I had. And as I saw her standing there praising God, I thought if I should die, mama would miss me but just for a little while at first. And then if I was gone, she could go places with daddy like she's not able to do. And I know that if I were to die, I'd be better off. Because for the last several months, when mama come in and she said, I've got time to tell you a story. What would you like to hear today? My answer was always the same, please mama. Tell me again about that place of many mansions. I never got tired of hearing the splendors of heaven. Mama said there's gates of pearl, walls of jasper, and streets of solid gold. And she said the best thing about heaven, everybody walks tall and straight on the streets of gold. There are no cripples in that land. And she said nobody ever has any more pain. Do you blame me that I long to go to that place? Where for the first time in my life I'd be free from the pain that I suffered. So closing my eyes tightly as Mama had taught us to when we prayed. I actually that day prayed to die, and I said, Jesus, for a long time, Mom and I have trusted you to heal me, and somehow you haven't healed me. I'm not going to ask you why. That's up to you. And it's all right, Lord, if you don't want to heal me, but please, Jesus, if you're not going to heal me, please come and take me to that land Mama's told me about. I don't want to stay here. And as I prayed to die, thick black darkness settled about my bedside. they never left me in a dark room alone before. There was always a light burning and mom or daddy always one was with me. I was alone in the darkness and I became frightened. And frightened, I whispered, daddy, where is my daddy? I want my daddy. But you may come to that darkness of death and feel that supernatural feeling and fear will come to you as it did to me. And in the darkness and the fear, you may call for your dad, but he won't answer. You may call for your mother, but she won't come to you. You may long for husband and wife because you've always had them. But in that hour of death, there's only one that's able to go beyond the veil of death with you. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the only one. I called for daddy, but he didn't answer. I looked and just in front of me. It appeared and looked like a long, dark, narrow-looking valley. In a floating sensation, it seemed my body floated just inside the valley. It was worse inside the valley than out. It was not only very, very dark, but it was so very cold. I shivered and shook, and I was so cold, my teeth chattered. And in a scared whisper, I asked myself the question, where am I? What is this awful place? And from somewhere far, far in the distance, I recognized and heard my mother's voice saying softly, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. I said, that's it. I prayed to die and go to be with Jesus. And if this is the way that gets me to Jesus, I'm willing to go. But I was barely inside when that dark valley lit up with a light lighter than day. Because where Jesus is, there can be no darkness. He's the light of the world. He will light destiny dark valley for the Christian. I felt somebody's big strong hand take mine and squeeze it. I didn't need to turn and look. I knew it was not the big hand of the doctor, the strong hand of daddy. I knew without looking it was the nail scarred hand of Jesus. He held tightly to my hand and we went on through the valley. At last I heard just beautiful music and singing in the distance. And at last I came out and saw the most beautiful land I've ever seen. Separating me from this beautiful place is a wide, wide river. The waves are rolling and tossing angrily against the shore. I looked on the other side and saw that land where those who die in Jesus go to rest and await the resurrection day. I saw flowers, blooming flowers that never fade or die because that's heaven. I saw the river of life winding its way through that land because it's a land where we'll never grow old. And then standing just across the river from me, waiting to welcome me across were a group of those that had been saved by the same Christ that had saved me. Dressed in garments of glistening, glowing white, they stood. With arms upraised. they sang in sweet harmony, Holy, Holy, Holy. I looked at one and not a single one was bowed and bent and twisted like my body was. I looked at another one, not a single one at arms, dead and useless, paralyzed at their side like mine. I looked at still another one and not a one was crying. Because of pain or burdens too heavy for them to bear. I said, in just a moment, I'm going to join that heavenly band. And the moment I step across the river, I'll straighten up and have a new body. And I'm going to run all over God's heaven. I was anxious to get across the river. When Jesus standing beside me spoke softly and said, Betty, you'll not cross. Go back and suffer a little while longer. You'll have healing in the fall. This is the first Promise direct from his lips that he'd heal me through the years I trust his word just as you're trusting it tonight. From that time, and that, this experience happened the early part of March when it's very cold it's still in Minnesota. I was so crippled they could not get clothes on me, so lying in bed if it was cold, mama put flannel around me. If it was hot, she put something very light across me. And this experience happened the early part of March and from March until August. Those months are blank and lost to me as I lay unconscious. That part of my story you'd have to get from my family. I remember nothing. The doctor said I would never come out of that coma, or if I did, I would be a vegetable. But during that time, Daddy said, Mama, he would go by my room and hear Mama pray, night after night, still believing and praying for God to heal me. One day, I became conscious, and I noticed it was very hot, and there was a big fan in the floor. And I was puzzled and perplexed because the last thing I remembered, it was cold. Why is it so hot? My lips moved and Mama, sitting by the bed when she saw my lips moving, leaned her ear down and in a weak whisper, all the louder could speak before I was healed. I whispered, what day is today? Mama smiled at me and said, it's the 14th day of August. So then I knew how many months I had lost in between. I asked to see Daddy and my Daddy came in the room crying like a child. He picked me up in his arms and sat on the edge of the bed and held me there. Tears rolled down daddy's face and fell on my face. He said, there's something daddy's been wanting to tell you. And he said, you've been unconscious and couldn't hear me. I must tell you now, I may never have another chance. I wanted to tell you ever since you were given to us a tiny baby, daddy's loved you. I've done with all in my power to make you well. He said, I've spent all the money I've got and gone deep in debt. I've had the finest specialist I could get. Shaking his head, he said, but there's nothing more daddy can do for you. And then he smiled through his tears and he said, it won't be long though, Jesus is going to come for you. He'll pick your little twisted body up in the arms and carry, you. the angels will pick your body up in their arms and carry you straight to Jesus. And when you get to Jesus, you'll straighten up and have a new body, you won't be crippled anymore. He said, when you get to heaven, stand just inside the gate. And every time they open, you look, because one of these days you're going to see daddy come through those gates. I'm going to make heaven my home because you're going to be there. But I looked at Daddy and wondered how he could be so sure I was going to die. But he could not believe like Mama that Jesus had the power to heal me. In a whisper, I asked Daddy to place me in the big chair. Since a little girl, they had a large overstuffed chair in my room, propped high with pillows. If I was out of the bed, they would sit me on the pillows. With my head that was twisted lying upon my knees, and my arms stiff at my side is the only way I could sit in a chair. If you passed through my room before I was healed, as many did, you could have counted and seen every knot up and down my spine. When daddy placed me on the pillows, he sat on the floor so he could look at my face. I smiled at him and spoke softly in a whisper and said, no, you must leave. I have to be alone. I heard daddy cry as he left the room because they knew I hated to be alone. The only time I asked to be alone is when I had an appointment with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you can get an appointment with Jesus at any hour of the day or night. He never leaves heaven to go on a vacation. His line is never busy. And I've never called heaven and got an answering machine that says, You have reached heaven. But there's no one in. Leave your name and number. Praise God, there's no answering machines in heaven. God is always on the line. And you can get an audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When I heard Daddy close the door, tears rolled down my face and I was sitting there, a skeleton skin stretched over bones and sitting there weeping all of my life. They had told me I would die and I didn't ever believe them. But sitting there that day, I knew I was dying. I knew I could not go on living. And then I remembered what Mama said. Mama had proven to me by God's Word That it's God's will to heal the people. Did you hear me? It's God's will to heal the people. Mama said the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. But that Jesus said, I come to give life and life more abundant. And you can't have abundant life if you're sick. So it's the devil's business to make you sick. But it's God's power and his grace and his will to heal you. And so I got mad at the devil. And that's good to get mad at him once in a while. I thought I'm going to die, and I haven't lived yet. I've lived in this room, and I'm going to die now because the devil is the one that takes life and brings sickness. And It's not God's will that I, that I would die. And then I thought back at that experience at the river when I almost got to heaven, and Jesus said, you'll not cross. Go back and suffer a little while longer. You'll have healing in the fall. So closing my eyes tightly, I prayed and said, Jesus, Do you remember a long time ago when I almost got to heaven and you said that I wouldn't cross to go back and suffer and that you'd heal me in the fall. I said, Lord, it's still awful hot here. So I don't reckon you really call this fall yet, do you, Lord? But I wonder for this one year, would you call it fall and come and heal me? Listen, he'll change the times and the seasons for his children. Prayer changes things. And as you pray, God can shorten the time of your affliction. And as I prayed, I waited, because when I ask God for something, I grow very still and quiet and I wait and listen for him to answer me back. He's alive. He's up there. He hears us when we pray, don't he? If he hears us when we pray, does he answer when we pray? Of course he will answer. And you say, well, Betty, does God speak to people today? Certainly. In many ways, the most common, perhaps, is his word. Have you been going through something you could not go one day more? And you got His Word and you said, God, I just can't go on without something from you. You opened the Bible, a verse leap from the pages, it became alive, Read it to you. It spoke to your very heart. That was God speaking to you through His Word. He speaks in that inner voice that we know, that we know, that we know. And He can speak an audible voice if He so desires. But I sit there trembling in the chair and I heard no voice at all. I got no scripture. I had no inner witness. I heard no audible voice. I got nothing. And there will come a time in your life you will pray for something and you really need an answer. And you'll get nothing. You say, then, Betty, what do I do? Do like I did. Hang in there in faith and ask again. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. You're going to find the answer. He watches over his word to perform it. And though it tarry, wait for it, it'll surely come to pass. God cannot lie. He keeps his promises. And then, this is not my story, it's just thrown in extra. Then if you've prayed for something for a long, long time and haven't got an answer, check it the way you've been praying. Did you know we could pray wrong? If we pray with the wrong motive, we won't get an answer. So check it the way you've been praying. So I thought of the way I've been praying. Since I was 11 years of age, mama said I could be healed. And from the time I was 11, I'd earnestly prayed to be healed. But my prayer was always the same, and you know what it was? Please, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal me. I begged. I pleaded. I pleaded and I begged for all that time. And not one time, not once, had I told him I'd do anything for him or give him anything. How selfish I felt that day. And in my heart, I was, felt so selfish, and I thought immediately, what do I have that I could give Jesus? What do I have that I could give Jesus? If you've tried everything else and you haven't got an answer, try commitment and see what he will do. There's a church I go to. I've been going to it for years. And for the last five years or so, every time I go, there's this young boy. And he started, I've been going there about eight years because when I started going there, he's 20. Now he's about 28. And every time I come, there he sits near the front in a wheelchair. He was on a motorcycle without a helmet, and he went head on into a truck and it severed his spinal cord, so he's paralyzed from here down. But every year he sits there. And so this last spring I went to, or this last fall, I went there and I prayed for everybody and there he sits waiting. I went back to his chair and I said, what are we going to do with you tonight? He said, I hope that this is the night that you will do something. I said, well, I've done all I know to do. I said, will you be willing to do, try one more thing? He said, sure, what do you want? I said, let's try making a real commitment. He said, what do you mean? I said, would you be willing right now to tell the Lord and mean it, that if He heals you completely so you can walk, you can move, you can you can get around, you can run, you can speak, that right now if He heals you, that you'll go where He wants you to go, you'll do what He wants you to do, and you'll be what He wants you to be. Would you make that commitment? He looked at me startled and said, no, Sister Betty, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, God might ask me to some, go somewhere I don't want to go. That's right, but if He asks you to go somewhere you don't want to go, His grace is sufficient. If He's asking you to do it. I remember years ago, the first time I ever went to to, uh, Calcutta, India, the worst place in the whole world. I've been a lot of places, but Calcutta is the worst. The smell is so bad that you get sick as soon as you get off the plane. And the first night I preached at the rally, Mark Montaigne said, now Betty, don't be surprised in the apartment tonight if you see rats and they grow as big as cats because they believe in reincarnation and they won't kill a rat for fear, it's their grandmother that's come back in the form of a rat. After I preached that night, I sat on the foot of the bed with the highest high heel shoe I had and I watched all night and I determined if I'd have seen a rat, I'd have killed it no matter whose grandma it might have been. I don't like to go to India. I still don't like to go to India. There's places in Africa I don't like to go, but I want to tell you something. If He calls you to go, His grace is sufficient. Will you make a commitment tonight? That young man still sits in a chair because he's afraid that God might ask him to go somewhere he don't want to go. And as I sit there, I thought, what do I have? I could give Jesus. I was a child, a very immature child. And the first thought I had was toys. If I had toys, I'd tell Jesus he could have them. But I had no toys and I didn't stop to think what he would do with toys. But he saw the motive of my heart I wanted to give. But I had no toys and then I thought of shoes. My sisters had two pairs: one for school, a prettier pair for church, I didn't ever have any. But when I begged daddy for shoes, he said, there's no money for you shoes. And if you had shoes, what would you do with them? And then the thing I'd wanted most in my life till I dreamed it became a recession was to have a dress of my very own that was mine. And so sitting there in the chair trembling, I whispered as much as I want to dress, if I had one, Jesus, you could have it, if you would heal me. But there, I had no dress to give. Mama wrapped claws around me. So sitting there in the chair, I thought, and there was only one thing I had in life. One thing was all that I had. It wasn't much, but it was all, and that was a crippled, ugly, twisted body. And closing my eyes tightly, I said, Jesus, listen to me, and I'll tell you what I'll do. If you'll heal the organs in my stomach and put them in the proper place so I can eat and digest solid food and gain strength. I'll use all that strength for your service. If you'll heal my heart and give me a brand new strong heart. I'll use that strong heart for you. I said, Jesus, I'll go further than that. If you'll heal me on the inside, if you'll heal me on the outside and make me perfectly whole. From this day on, my life will no longer belong to Betty Baxter. But I'll be yours and I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. That's the promise and the vow I made for the healing that I have tonight. I sit there trembling. Would he answer me? Or would again I get no answer when beside the chair? I heard the audible voice of Jesus speak and say, Betty, I'm going to heal you completely. August the 24th, Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, he gave me the day, the hour, the time. That is strange, God knows all of our tomorrows, doesn't he? The first thought I had was, won't mama be tickled when I tell her? She thinks I'm gonna be healed. But what will she say when I tell her, I know the day and hour she's going to do it. And then Jesus spoke and said, now don't tell this till my time comes. Do you know how hard it is for a woman to keep still? (laughs) But I found out how to keep a secret You shut your mouth literally and don't open it And then you won't tell I heard mama open the door and I closed my mouth very tight So I wouldn't tell because Jesus had said not to She came in the room and sat on the floor so she could look up in my face She talked to me about my family She talked to me about my little brothers And then smiling at me she said honey Do you know when the Lord's going to heal you? the years before when I didn't know she hadn't asked me. And now when I knew and wasn't supposed to tell, she asked. I couldn't tell her because Jesus said not to. So I just looked at her and said, when? She said August the 24th, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. I said, Mama, how'd you know? Did I let it slip and tell you? She said, oh no. The same God that talks to you, he talks to me too. So it made me doubly sure he would heal me on the 24th day of August. I could see that dream a dress coming true and I said mama as bad as I am and as big as the knots are on my spine you still believe you'll do it she said I know he will God is not a man that he ever breaks a promise I said then mama if you really believe it don't wait not even till tomorrow but go to town right now and get me a new dress and shoes and let's have them all ready when Sunday comes So when I get healed at 3 o'clock, I can wear them and go to church on Sunday night. That's what I've been waiting for. I want you to think for a moment of the tremendous faith my mother had. My daddy certainly did not believe. Our family did not believe. But mama with faith in her heart got dressed and went to town. She came home with a dress and a pair of shoes. That dress was a cheap cotton blue dress. But that's the prettiest dress I've ever had in my life. It was mine. Lying in bed bent over, there was a place at the foot of the bed I could see so she put the dress and shiny patent leather shoes with bows on the toes like grown-ups wear. She put that beside the dress so I could see it all the time. And from the 14th day of August till the 24th, no matter how many hours I was alone, I was never lonely anymore because I never get tired of looking at the dress and shoes saying, won't I be pretty when Sunday comes? And Jesus makes me straight and I wear a new dress and shoes and I'll be just like other girls. The longest days of waiting have an ending. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Finally, Sunday came and mama came in and said, it's almost three o'clock. The family are here and some neighbors have come, some church people. They're all waiting in the living room. We had asked the pastor to come and he couldn't be there he wasn't there. And so mama took me and placed me in the big chair on the pillows. As with my head on my knees, I could see the feet of those that had come to pray. I saw my little brother Four years of age, he'd never known me any other way. He was kneeling at my knees, and I don't know what you do when you get happy. Some people scream and some people run. I've seen people throw away crutches and run and scream. And we let them do that. They deserve that. I saw three or four weeks ago that lady in Baltimore, Maryland, kicked that wheelchair and she let out a scream that really scared you if you didn't know it was coming. I jumped and she screamed and she began to run all up and down the aisles. And that was a pretty formal church, you know. And the pastor's pretty formal and he looked at me and said, let her go. She deserves it after being crippled 35 years. So we just let her rejoice. so I don't know what you do. Maybe you jump and yell when you get real happy but when I get real happy I cry real hard. It sounds ridiculous don't it? But the tears are streaming down my cheeks I'm so happy. It's almost time for Jesus to come. My baby brother kneeling at my knees looked at my face and saw the tears and shook his little head. He said don't cry anymore sis. It'll only be a minute then you'll be bigger than I am. And then mother knelt down and said it's time now for Jesus to come. Is there anything you want us to do before he comes? There was No pastor there There was no evangelist there No special person was there And I thought somebody ought to pray So I said mama let's pray We must be praying when he comes So the last thing I remember was mama praying And she said you promised at 3 o'clock You'd come and heal her The hour has come now And you're not a man that you would lie You're not a man that you'd break a promise Come now and heal her for your own glory I didn't hear mama praying But I heard a great noise as if a storm was coming up The wind was roaring and rushing and raging through the living room went a rushing mighty wind the drapes swung in the breeze a door slammed somewhere and now outside it was a still quiet day mama said her unsaved brother got as white as a sheet and hung on the chair he was so scared she thought he was going to faint but the rushing wind went through the house and then all was still and quiet and I knew somehow the wind was bringing Jesus that he would come I didn't know from where or how but I knew that wind was bringing Jesus and I could only speak above a whisper, Mama said. That in the silence, everyone heard me whisper, He's coming. Don't you hear him? He's coming at last. He's coming, don't you hear him? Because I'd waited a long, long time. And Mama said, I said, He's coming at last. Don't you hear him? And with my head on my knees, I could only see that part of the wall of the living room. I watched and waited. Tears rolled down my cheeks. He's coming at last. And all at once across the room, I saw taking form a great white fleecy cloud. No dark in it, no gray, perfectly white. And as I watched, stepping forth out of the cloud, came Jesus. Dressed in garments of glowing, glistening white, white, this world has never seen. It glowed and sparkled and fell about his feet. His arms were outstretched toward me. I saw the ugly print of the nails in his hands. He walked slowly toward the chair. When he got to the side of the chair, he stooped down. His face was so close to mine. If my arms had not been paralyzed, I could have reached out and touched his face. Smiling, he spoke softly and said, Betty... You've been patient, kind, and loving. And that repaid me for all I've ever suffered. He said, Henceforth, I'm going to promise you health, joy, and happiness. The final word, happiness, I saw him reach out his hand. My body became tense, waiting for the touch of Jesus. But all at once, a very hot feeling went through me inside. Two hot hands as hot as fire. I felt felt impressed on the lower part of my stomach. I literally felt organs shift and move as they went into their proper place. I knew when they x-rayed me, everything would be perfect. I knew from that moment on you could give me anything to eat, and nothing would ever hurt me anymore. Two hot hands as hot as fire took my enlarged heart. He squeezed it when he let it go. For the first time in my life, I could take a deep breath without gasping, without any pain, and I knew that my heart trouble is gone because he's a heart specialist. He's a cancer specialist. He's an arthritis specialist. There's nothing impossible with the God that we serve. Inside I knew I was healed completely but my family watching could see no change. I was still ugly twisted crippled. I looked at Jesus to see if he'd leave me half healed and you remember this when he begins something in your life he will finish it. He smiled and reached out his hand and on one of the large knots in the center of my spine I felt a hand placed there I'd never felt before. A hand charged with the divine healing virtue of Jesus. A tingling sensation started in my crooked feet and tingled throughout my body. I heard the bones crack and pop as the vertebrae went into place. In the presence of my family and those who were there, they saw the knots fade and disappear and leave my spine. My head snapped back into its right position. My paralyzed arms were raised high. And in 10 seconds, I jumped from the chair and stood as straight as I'm standing tonight. I've been healed, healed by the mighty power Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be healed right now. There's enough power and faith going. Reach out to Jesus right now. You don't have to wait for a healing line. Reach out right now and be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You say, Betty, you mean instantly he healed you? I mean that. And when he instantly heals, that's called a miracle. But that's not the only way God heals. There is a healing. From the time you're prayed for, you can go standing on his word, claiming his promises. And weeks and sometimes months after I've been in a service, we get a letter at the office saying they are completely healed. That over a period of time, they kept getting better and better till the doctor said they're completely whole. That's called a healing. So he heals both instantly and gradually as he sees fit. And it really makes no difference. It's all right as long as he gets it done right. But the greatest part of the whole story is this. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. He's no respecter of persons. He does not love Betty Baxter more than he loves you. He knows your name tonight and your street address. He knows everything about you. and He loves and cares about you tonight. And what he's done for me, He'll do for you if you'll release your faith and believing for it tonight. I didn't want to close until I told you what to me is the greatest part of all the story. If you forget all the rest of it, always remember this part. As I stood there straight, healed by God's power, I looked back at the empty chair where I'd been sitting. And standing beside the chair still stood Jesus. His arms are outstretched toward me, and he looked from the soles of my feet slowly to the top of my head. And when I saw him looking at me, I stood as straight as I could so he could see how good he made me. I believe he stayed to enjoy his handiwork, don't you? And then Jesus looked deep into my eyes and smiled and spoke these words, I shall never forget, Betty. I've given you the desire of your heart. I've healed you completely and made you whole, and I nodded my head because I knew he had. He said, but I've got to leave you here for a little while. I'm going back to the Father and finish that mansion that's almost ready for you. I want you to go out and tell the world what I've done for you. When men and women hear this story, they'll be saved. And when they hear this story, they'll be healed and brought to God. And then smiling just before he backed in the cloud and went away, he smiled and said, and be thou faithful and every day watch for a cloud and the next time you see me coming in a cloud I'm not going to leave you here but I'm going to take you to be with me forevermore he's coming back again he said he was Jesus Christ is coming back to earth again and it's never before in the last year and a half I suppose I've gone through the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life when Some of my dearest friends turned their back and walked away. And I've never longed for Jesus to come so much in all of my life. I felt my life was not real. It surely must be a nightmare I would wake up. Men, I have trusted a man that was my pastor and turned his back on me. And I've longed for Jesus to come back. And my husband in Singapore, because the government hates Christianity and feels threatened because our church is some 6,000 and it's so big that they feel threatened with it. They brought charges against the pastor and my husband's title was personal assistant to the pastor. So therefore, they brought charges against him. He cannot leave the country. And so while I told my story tonight, I thought it would all be over if Jesus, if I'd see the cloud right now, because I'd leave, and my husband from Singapore would take off. They, no matter if they had his passport, that wouldn't matter. He'd take off and somewhere between earth and heaven, we'd be reunited, we'd go home to be with Jesus. There's no lawsuits over yonder. There's no accusations over yonder. There's no persecution when we get over there. So you didn't know tonight that while I told the story, I looked yonder and here and here, thinking maybe tonight is the night I'll see that cloud appear because I've told my story so many, many years, so many years that there's times in traveling I grow weary of waiting in airports. I get tired. I just recently come from New Zealand and I get weary and tired and I thought tonight if I could just see it, because somehow since he healed me I've always felt in my own heart that somewhere I'd be telling my story and I'd see the cloud and I'd leave to go be with him but as I looked everywhere tonight the Lord spoke so definitely to my heart if you'd see that cloud right now you're watching for there'd be some left sitting here because they're not all ready for my coming I don't know who you are you're strangers to me tonight but Jesus knows who you are and he said, if I'd see the clouds, some of you'd be left here. You'd be left in this world. And all the Christians, listen to me, all God's people would be gone. And you'd be left here alone. It's a serious thing to think about. And I know as I travel, even churches I've been going to for years and years and years, they change their beliefs. Some of them now, pastor, as I've known for so many years, don't believe in the rapture like I do. But don't take that blessed hope away from me. You may not believe in it. You not, may, may, may not believe he's coming back. But mama taught me about that blessed hope and don't take it away from me. I'm looking for him to come. But even if you don't believe Jesus is coming back again, you have no argument when I talk that death is going to come. You agree with me there. It's no respecter of persons that comes to the young and old alike. Someday... You're going to meet God. and with every, In every person, there's a living soul that God put there. And the only way we're going to spend eternity with Jesus is to have his blood applied to our heart. He died for the world. He died for you. And you're going to have to answer something. You say, Betty, I'm, I'm not either for or against. I'm neutral. Neutral you cannot be. If you're not for Jesus, you're against him tonight. What is your answer going to be? You've been such a great audience, but I feel someone on my heart tonight. I feel there are at least three young people, very young people, that in this service, God has spoken continually to your heart. There's a young man here that God is speaking to you right now, and he says to you, I have knocked and knocked time and time again, and you've turned me away. I'm knocking one more time tonight. Will you open the door and let me come in? And I will sup with you. I want to use me. I want to use you for my glory. He's speaking to others tonight. I feel you on my heart. So I'm going to ask you this question. How about your heart? Is it right with God? I want to ask you this. You answer to yourself. Can you say, Betty, I know without a doubt, if you'd see the cloud, I'd go with you. If you can't say that, there is a doubt there. Settle that doubt. Let me pray for you and settle that doubt and you can leave knowing if Jesus comes before morning or if he calls you by death, you'll be immediately into the presence of the Lord while every head is bowed.